One of my favorite prayers comes in the context of our funeral liturgy, and we pray this just about every time we celebrate the life of someone in our church family. I want to just read a portion of that prayer for you. God, You only are immortal, the Creator and Maker of all. We are mortal, formed of the earth, and to earth we shall return. This You ordained when You created us, saying, You are dust, and to dust you shall return. All of us go down to the dust, yet even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Those words are really interesting to me. Uh, You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Uh, We get them out of our reading in Genesis, but we say them in the context of our worship as a family of faith, really just in two places, in the funeral service and in this service, when you come forward and we place ashes on your forehead. And so I want to think a little bit this evening about um, what those words mean for us, and and maybe beginning, um, why God says them to Adam and Eve in the first place. So, in this particular part of the story, we know that Adam has literally been formed out of the dust, and God breathes into him, so he comes to life, and then Eve is formed from his rib, Um, and they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which they're not supposed to do, and so um, God um, brings this punishment to them. Um, But I wonder if there's a way of reading some of these words that's not purely punitive. Uh, I I wonder if… this curse is not all curse. So, here's what I mean by that. Uh, Obviously, um, dying, which was not part of God's plan, is a curse. But I wonder if knowing they will die is a blessing. Think about this for a minute. Adam and Eve, I mean, I know this may not be a historical story, but it's a deeply important one for us. Adam and Eve don't have any sense of what um, life uh, is like, right? They're, they're new to this world, to this created order. They don't have any sense of, of how long they will live, and death is a new concept to them. And, and God could have said, hey, you're going to die without telling them what that meant, but He doesn't. He says, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And, and without those words, I wonder how they might have lived their lives. Um, How might they have gone about uh, the rest of their life not understanding, perhaps, that one day there would be an ending to this journey they were on? And I wonder the same thing for us. Is there a blessing in these words to be reminded um, that there's an ending to the journey that we're on? So, a quick show of hands. Um, Please raise your hand if you think that at some point um, you will probably die. Okay? Pretty much everybody, maybe a couple of optimists out there, but pretty much everybody, okay. Um, Other than Jesus coming back first, of course, which Paul talks about in our passage, it's a pretty surefire thing, right? At some point, um, we are dust, and to dust we shall return. Now, now, no show of hands. Um, All of us know that to be true. When's the last time you thought about that? When's the last time you thought about the fact that at some point you were going to die? When's the last time that affected your decision-making process where you said, I'm not going to do that or I am going to do that because I know at some point I'm dust. To dust I shall return. I'm going to be honest, it's been a while for me. 
And I'm young enough to still think that I'm kind of invincible. And, and it seems to me um, that even though we know on some objective level uh, that we're not going to live forever on this earth, we still live like the party's never going to stop, right? uh, in the good ways and in the bad ways. I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking about um, the things that I get upset about that perhaps I wouldn't get upset about if I remembered how short life is. Um, my, my dog is a short-haired dog, and we got him from Texas, so the cold weather is not really his thing. And um, therefore, we bought him a coat. Don't judge me. We bought my dog a coat. Uh, and we've been looking for that coat for two days, and I think my wife crawled under the deck this afternoon. Zoe crawled under the deck this afternoon to find it. Thank you very much. I can't tell you how annoyed I've been the last two days that I couldn't find the dog's coat, okay? And I think to myself, um, if I was mindful of the span of my days, how much time um, and emotional energy would my dog's coat take up? Uh, so this does change for us sometimes, and one of the ways this changes is really tragically um, when we receive some sort of terminal diagnosis, right, where we are forced to be confronted with our own mortality. Um, there's actually a, a movie that came out, I think, in 2009 with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson called The Bucket List around this premise. And I have not actually seen this movie. I'm just aware of it. And I, therefore, I want to show you just the trailer of that movie. The, the general premise is that Jack Nicholson is a billionaire who I think has been divorced four times and is, I think, sort of egotistical. He's Jack Nicholson, right? He's playing himself. And um, in, in this film, he gets um, diagnosed with a terminal disease and put in a room with a random guy with a similar diagnosis. Will you play that? hospitals, not health spas. Two beds to a room, no exceptions. There was a survey once. A thousand people asked if they could know in advance would they want to know the exact day of their death. What was that? You. 96% of them said no. Uh, the Borg. That was the first time I laid eyes on Edward Cole. I want my own room. You run hospitals, not health spas. Two beds to a room, no exceptions going to spend the next three weeks laying next to zombie boy. My freshman philosopher professor assigned this exercise and called it a bucket list. We're supposed to make a list of all the things we wanted to do in our lives before we kicked the bucket. Cutesy. Pointless now. We could do this. We should do this. This is living. I hate your rock guts. Is he insane? You're gonna drive it or buy it a dress. Just getting to know each other. I don't understand how you can run off with a total stranger. I've got 45 years greased up under the hood of a car. I think I've earned some time for myself. You got kids? I don't see her. It's time. Why are we, uh... Oh, my God. What are you so afraid of? Just because I told you my story does not invite you to be a part of it. pay you for all you've done for me. So rather than try, I'm just going to ask you to do something else for me. Find the joy in your life. You hate me. 
proud of you. Nobody cares what you think. <laughs> okay. Um, nobody cares what you think. That's great. Uh, there is something about this idea, right, of saying, hey, if I knew my time was limited, what would be on my bucket list? What would be on the list of things that I wanted to fit in in the time that I have remaining? And I want to suggest um, that probably the Taj Mahal and the pyramids are, are not the things that are most important, right? But what are the relationships that I need to reconcile um, before I run out of time to do it? Have I yet started making time for God like I always said I would do if things finally slowed down? Am I in a job that I enjoy and feel like I can do well and honor God in the midst of it? Or is it time to finally make that change because I've been talking about it for years? Are the people in my life better off because my life has intersected with theirs? I really like this idea of saying, hey, um, if my time was limited, what would I be doing? And, and I, I want to suggest that the ultimate goal in the Christian life, or one of the great goals of the Christian life, would be able to say, uh, I would like to do on my last day the same thing I was going to do today anyway, right? That, that my life is so structured and organized in, in, in such a way that I haven't left anything undone that needs to be done. Um, but that I'm living um, ready any time that my God is called to, comes to call me home. So uh, I think this is why God speaks these words to Adam and Eve, and I think it's why we speak them at funerals, and I think it's part of the reason why we speak them to you on Ash Wednesday every year. I'm here to give you a terminal diagnosis. Life is a condition you're not going to survive. Uh, and so, how will you use the time that you have, right, that remains, that God has given you? Uh, and um, what would it look like if your life was so organized that your bucket list was empty? Now, that's not the end of the story for the Christian. Uh, it, it's a really good stuff, but it's not the end of the story for the Christian because we know um, that when our time comes, it's not the end of our story. And we have this beautiful language in 1 Corinthians that talks about the imperishable body with which we will be raised. And, and, and Paul has this metaphor, right, of, of saying a seed is placed in the ground. It's just this tiny little thing. It grows up. It's this amazing plant or tree. In the same way, you know, our physical bodies are sown into the ground. Um, we are raised with a spiritual body that is greater than we ever could have imagined life being. But uh, nevertheless, um, our life in a real meaningful way continues, um, but it's a different kind of life. Uh, and so Paul makes this distinction, not just here, but several places in his letters, um, between the, the two kinds of humanity. And there's the, the children of Adam, and there's the children of Jesus. Obviously, Jesus doesn't have biological children. Um, but what we, Paul means by that is he's saying that the, the children of Adam are those who are still bound to the things of the earth, right? The, the dusty stuff, the stuff that won't last. And then there's the children of Christ who are going to be freed from that limitation. You're going to be a part of the things of the Spirit, the things of heaven. You get to live forever with Christ. 
And the challenge for us as believers in Christ is to look at our lives and say, um, how much of Adam is in my life and how much of Jesus is in my life? Um, What is dust and what is spirit? Am I pursuing things that will last or am I pursuing things uh, that are temporary? I'm reminded um, that that idea of pursuing eternal things isn't just a a nice concept for Christians to believe in, but it affects our eternity. And and in fact, we've discussed this before that Paul says quite clearly, even in this letter, that on the way to heaven, we can accrue some value. Jesus calls it treasure. And we accrue that treasure in heaven based on how we live in this life. Uh, And and so the great question is, um, how do I live more in the Spirit and less in the earth so that I have that, that heavenly treasure that Christ speaks about. A, a few, maybe it was a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, there was a lot of news about um, the video game store GameStop. You remember this? And like they were blowing up the stock market. It was crazy. And the, my limited understanding of what happened is that there were like a couple million people on a website who had some pretty good strategy and banded together and just shot the price of the stock up like crazy. I I remember reading an article about, I think it was a teacher, somebody who invested $20,000 in GameStop and ended up making about a million dollars in the course of three or four days. Just crazy stuff. So Krista and I started talking, and she said, Jim, I think we should buy some GameStop stock. And I said, oh, I think this is a fad. And she said, but just get one, and we'll see how it goes, right? It'd be like a fun game. I said, okay. So uh, the next day, I, I was coming late to the party, and I went on my little E-Trade account, and I looked at the price of one GameStop stock. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a lot of money. Maybe I'll wait and just see what it looks like in an hour. And an hour had gone down 10%. Ooh, it's going the wrong way. Okay. And by the end of the day, it had gone down 33%. And by the next day, it was like plummeting. Uh, and I, we dodged the bullet, honey. We dodged the bullet. All that life savings is still there. Um, here's the thing. If I could go back in time and know the exact right moment where I could exchange all of my money for stock in GameStop so it could go up and I could make millions of dollars, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Right? Or if you could go back in time and um, I could tell you, hey, you know what? Apple, Amazon, Tesla, sell your house and buy that stuff. You'd do it in a heartbeat, right? Scripture's telling us, hey, um, all this stuff that we think of as valuable in our lives, it's just going to go away. But you can use it all and find a way to make it last eternally, right? You can invest it and reap an infinite rate of return with your time and with your energy and with your treasure and everything that Christ has given you. Nate Saint says uh, famously, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So I think this is a critical question for us in this season of Lent as we go about uh, preparing for the the death and resurrection of our Lord, I think we're called to reflect on how much our life is focused on uh, the dusty stuff, right? The stuff that won't last, the stuff that's temporary, and how much our eyes are lifted up to the things that are of Christ, that are of the Spirit, that are eternal. Because we know our time is limited, uh, and yet we know we have unlimited time with God in our next life. And so how many likes you got on your post today probably won't matter. 
in the grand scheme of God's kingdom, but how you use your influence might. How much money you have in your bank account probably won't matter. That's dust. Um, But what you do with it might matter. That's spirit. How many people you pass over on the way to the top, that's dust. How many times you descend down the ladder to lift someone else up, that's spirit. How many people who know your name, that's Adam. How many people who know Christ's name because of you, that's Jesus. So the call for us is to recognize that we have this opportunity to take all of this dusty stuff and use it uh, for eternal purposes. And it's not normal, right? There are so many people in our life that are just, just dying their way through life right? Just little deaths every day. Focus on things that don't matter. You're called to live even through death and focus on those things that are eternal. This week, um, I don't really know why. Um, I think it's because of of Deb Wakefield. This week, I've been thinking about Bess Vick a lot. Um, And Bess was a friend of mine and a a dearly beloved member of our church who passed away last year. And I remember um, talking with Bess many times about um, why she was still here. Uh, and, and Bess, who was in her 90s, and who was um, more or less homebound in her, in her facility, um, you know, often would say, God, I'm not really sure why God's keeping me around still. And I would say, Bess, what did you do today? Well, I didn't do much of anything. Did you pray today, Bess? Yeah, I prayed a lot today. How much did you pray? I don't remember, but I prayed a lot. Bess, did you read your Bible today? Yeah, I read my Bible. How much did you read your Bible? I don't know, but it's the only thing I read today. Okay. Um, Bess, did you, did you talk to anybody about Jesus today? Well, pretty much everybody walks in my door, I talk to them about Jesus. Bess, did you, did you call somebody you love today? Yeah. I talked to a bunch of people that I love today. Bess, you're living your life. Right? You're living life. You're doing spiritual things in the midst of a decaying body. Uh, your spirit continues to grow Um, Your body is dying, but you're living your way into God's kingdom. And I thought, um, boy, I hope at every stage of my journey, I have that kind of vision to say, um, those things that matter eternally to God will matter temporally to me. Because I know uh, that the words of Scripture are true. I know that I and you are dust, and to dust we shall return. But let's not be content with the stuff that's dust, because that's not our whole story. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But you are also Christ's, and for you, one day, Christ shall return. Thanks be to Him. Amen.